Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Have you ever had a situation where you had to go talk to somebody that was like an authority figure and it made you nervous to go and, and talk to them? Maybe you get pulled over and when the officer comes up to the window, you're just, you know, you're freaking out. You're super nervous because, because you, you don't know what you're going to say and just the whole situation makes you tense or if you've ever had to go and stand before a judge or, or your boss or something like that. Anyone been nervous to talk to someone? My mind goes back to high school and getting called into the principal's office, which I don't know if that ever happened to you or not, but especially as a kid, that's, that's a super uh, rattling experience. One time, one of the times I was called to the principal's office, uh, my, my, some friends and I decided to sign up for the AV club in our high school, not because we had an interest in audiovisual stuff, but because we had an interest in getting out of class when they needed someone to do audiovisual things. And so one day there was a, a school assembly and they needed people to set up the slide projector and the sound system and all of that. So who did they call on? The AV club, right? So we get out of class and we get to go down to the auditorium and we're setting up speakers and running cables and, uh, you know, slide projectors and all that kind of stuff. And we've got tape. They wanted the wires taped down. And so if you've ever been using, using tape, taping things down, sometimes when you're doing it, it, it sticks to itself. And, you know, you kind of have to like uh, rip off a new piece of tape and you kind of ball that up and throw it aside. When you've got a group of high school boys rolling up tape and throwing it aside, it didn't take too long for throwing the tape aside to become throwing the tape at one another. And so instead of just random scrap balls of tape, now it became like a war and we had to keep intensifying our, our weaponry. And instead of just, you know, uh, gummed up tape that we threw, started wrapping it tighter and tighter. And the tape balls started getting larger and, and larger. And the, the throws were getting more and more violent. The whole thing was just escalating. And I made this tape ball that I wish you could see it. It, it was, it really was something. And I, I was so proud. It was like the size of a baseball. It was heavy. It was just electrical tape wrapped tight, 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 hiding down under the seats until I was ready to spring up and, you know, launch my, my weapon. Well, one of the, the guys that was throwing tape balls, a, a tape ball had gone up on the, the stage in the auditorium. And so he jumped up on the stage and he went over to get it and he, he bent down to pick it up. I looked up and I saw him bending over, facing away. And so who can resist that, right? So I wind up and I, I throw it hard, but right as I threw it, he spun around and that tape ball hit him in the eye. And so this particular boy was the quarterback of the football team. We had a, a, a big game coming up that Friday night. He was kind of a, a popular guy. His father had played in the NFL. It was just a small town that I lived in. So his dad having that kind of pedigree, you know, his older brothers had all played at this high school. And he, you know, he's like the star of the football team. When I hit him in the eye, it ruptured something in his eye. And so it went from like a fun tape fight to, you know, all of a sudden I'm like the worst guy in the school because I just disabled our, our, you know, our quarterback. Well, I got called to the principal's office and I went and sat down. You know, if you've ever been in that situation, just very nervous. And the principal didn't say a word. His, his name was Mr. Vincini. He just stared at me, like without even looking, opened a desk drawer, reached in, and it was my tape ball. He just dropped it on the desk and stared at me. And he wanted, he was, he was a big fan of the football team. He, he wanted an answer 
for what had happened with this tape ball. That tape ball was, was so incredible. He wouldn't believe me that it was just tape, but it was. He thought I'd wrapped up rocks in it. That's how well it was, it was constructed, which really was, I'm just bragging on my, my tape ball abilities. But maybe you haven't been called into the uh, principal's office for rupturing people's eyeballs, but maybe there's some situation where you were called before somebody and you were super nervous, super afraid. You didn't know what to say. You got tongue-tied. It's just kind of that, that situation. Or maybe you've been in a situation where you felt like, I'm going to die. This is it. This is the end of my life. Have you ever been in that situation? A fire alarm goes off. There's a close call, call and it, with, when you're driving. Uh, whether it was real or not, in, in, there's certain moments where you feel like the adrenaline's going. You think my life is about to end. You hear something rustling in the woods. You know you're about to be attacked by a grizzly bear. It turns out to be a chipmunk or something. But in that moment, you feel like my life is about to end. You, you know that feeling I'm talking about? When Beth and I were in college really early on, when we were dating, we were in a bad car accident. It was just her and I in the car, the driver, uh, not important which one was driving, uh, the, the driver fell asleep and, and went off the road and the car flipped end over end three times. Neither of us were wearing, were wearing our seatbelts. She was, she was thrown from the car. She had to be rushed to the hospital, emergency surgeries, all, all kinds of stuff. I had just had to get some, uh, some staples and some stitches didn't need surgery or anything like that. Some people are just tougher than others and can handle that kind of thing better. better. But that's really beside, beside the point. I fell asleep driving. And when I woke up, I woke up to, to crunching metal and the car was in the air. And so it wasn't, you ever had a moment where you're like, oh, you got to veer back on the road or, or hit the brakes. I mean, it was, it was well beyond that, right? I mean, we were we were in the air flipping. It was just a flash that I can remember. I don't remember much of it, just this moment of crunching and glass breaking. And in the air, just for a moment, that feeling of panic, like, this is it. This is how, this is how it ends. This is, this is how I die. If you had a situation like that, anyone, you can, you can kind of relate to what I'm talking about. Now, if you could take those two instances, standing before a judge, sitting before the principal, whatever it is, a moment when you feel like your life is about to end, all of that anxiety, all of that pressure, if you can kind of merge those into one experience, that's what the Apostle Paul was experiencing in Acts chapter 22, 23, 24, 25, 26. He's repeatedly called before people to stand trial, the, the Sanhedrin, with Roman governors, with a king. It has to give an answer the whole time his life is on, is on the line. Acts chapter 22, he comes before the Jewish leaders, stands before the Sanhedrin. That night, Paul, as he's talking to these Jewish rulers, he gets insight that there's Sadducees and Pharisees, and without going too much into that, they believe differently, and he begins to highlight different doctrines, and so they, they turn on one another. It's very, very clever the way that he handled that. That night, while he's in prison, Jesus appears to him and says, be of good cheer, don't, don't be discouraged, that just like you've wit uh, borne witness of me in Jerusalem, you're also going to bear witness to me in Rome. There's a plot to kill him that's uncovered, and so they transfer him to Caesarea, where he stands now before Governor, Governor Felix. He's, he stands trial before him. Governor Felix doesn't, doesn't make a case, he, or doesn't make a ruling. He keeps putting it off. In fact, it goes on for two years. He's, he's keeping Paul in custody. Every once in a while, Felix would call for Paul and talk with him. He, he was hoping to get a bribe, but he also liked to hear Paul talk. 
until it got him frightened, convicted, and then he'd send Paul away and he'd call for him a later time. That he would feel conviction when he was listening to Paul talk about Jesus. And then he would avoid the situation until another time, and there's no record that he ever actually responded to the conviction, you know, which is just a bit of a side note, but when the Lord is dealing with your heart, don't put it off until later. Don't, when the Lord is convicting you of something or speaking something to you, it's a mistake to say, I'll respond to this another time, I'll, I'll do it later, and just to continue to, to play with that conviction and to take it for granted. When God deals with your heart, you need to respond, amen? So after two years, he gets, he gets replaced by a guy named Festus. Festus comes. He stands trial before him. King Agrippa comes to visit. Acts chapter 26, Paul has to, to stand before him and give testimony. And this time he tells again the story of how he was on the road to Damascus when Jesus appeared. A light shines. Paul, Paul, or Saul, Saul, at that time, why are you persecuting me? It's the, the third time we have an account of that instance in, in, in the book of Acts. So over and over again, his life is on the line. And when he stands before the, these different men and these different groups, the high, the high council of, of the Jews, he speaks articulately. He has insight. He's able to turn the Sadducees and the Pharisees against one another. He seems so calm. He doesn't seem to be afraid. He, does, he never says, oh, I just want to go home. I don't like this. He, does, he doesn't uh, recount and renounce following Jesus. He's so brave, so determined. We've, we've read passages where while he's on his way to Jerusalem, people are pleading with him, don't go. He could have avoided this whole situation. What was operating on the inside of him that he wasn't racked with fear, that he could speak so clearly? And there, there's a lot going on on in these chapters, but what I feel to do today is just to use them to circle back around to one of the major themes of the book of Acts and the importance of us being filled and empowered, equipped, anointed by the Holy Spirit. Listen to what, listen to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 13, verse 11. It says, but when you are arrested and stand trial, this is Jesus talking. Well, that, that's exactly what Paul was dealing with, right? It says, when you are arrested and you stand trial, don't worry in advance about what to say. Just say what God tells you at that time, for it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. That's exactly the situation Paul was in. How could he, how could he speak like that before those men, deciding his fate with all that on the line? How could he have the insight and present himself so, so articulately and clearly and so calmly? Well, according to Jesus, it wasn't really Paul doing the speaking, was it? Who, who was it? It's the, the Holy Spirit operating in him. And it says, it won't really be you speaking. The Spirit of God is gonna be the one who is speaking through you. So he's, he's calm, he's not afraid, he's not wringing his hands. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse seven. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound, a sound mind. Paul wrote that to Timothy, talking about the spirit that God does want you to be filled with and a spirit that God doesn't want you to be filled with. It says God has not given us a spirit of fear. One, fear is a spirit, and God hasn't given it to you. And so if it's something that doesn't come from God, then, then we don't want it. We just want what's from the hand of God. Amen? So God has not given us a spirit of fear. God does not want fear operating in your life, controlling you, leading you, manipulating you, anxiety, timidity, 
worry, stress. It's all, all aspects of the spirit of fear that God has not given that to us. So things going on with your kids, things going on with your finances, things concerning your future, things concerning the government, things concerning money and what, what that's going to look like moving forward, things concerning a, a new strain of COVID and mandates and all of that. We need to be aware of them. We need to respond appropriately. But what we don't need to do is to allow a spirit of fear to, to come in and access our hearts and minds. Amen? The spirit that God God has given us, it says, is not a spirit of fear. It's actually quite the opposite. It's a spirit of power. Instead of fear, there's an empowerment. God gives us that spirit. When it's talking about a spirit of power, who is he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter one, what did Jesus say when he told them to wait in Jerusalem? He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, comes upon you. That that's the spirit he's talking about. Not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of, of power. That the things God has called you to do, the situations he, he puts you in, your assignment, your role, the things going on in your life, the opportunities God opens, opens up to you. God doesn't lead you there, guide you, give you those opportunities to, to watch you struggle and fail and flounder. Those are opportunities for, you, for the power of God to be manifest and on display in your life. How many know God can do anything? Nothing is too hard for God. He is all powerful. He is a mighty God. All things are possible. Amen? We're all on the same page there. There's nothing God can't do. He spoke the universe into existence. He hung the planets. He can move mountains, right? He created the oceans. Every breath comes from him. God is all powerful. Nothing is impossible for God. But when we talk like that... That's really a fair expectation of someone who claims to be God, isn't it? Right? So it's not really exciting news that God is powerful. You would expect God to be powerful. You would expect him to be all-powerful, that nothing is too difficult for him. And it's wonderful, and it's praiseworthy. We should be aware of it. But what's really exciting is that God's desire isn't for this infinite power, this incredible power, just to be operating out there somewhere on its own. The, the exciting part is he wants to use you to manifest that power that nothing is too difficult for God operating in you and through you. And when you have that understanding, it's not just a God out there somewhere that nothing is too, too hard for, but you know with God on your side, nothing is too difficult for you. That's why Paul could say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it's not just God out there, God, you can do anything. I can do all things through Christ because he puts his strength, that strength that I, I can easily praise when it's out there somewhere. It can be difficult for us to have a faith that we can also praise it when it's operating on the inside of you, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the God that can do all things lives on the inside of you. Amen. God can do anything and he lives on the inside of you. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So God has made a way for that infinite power to live on the inside. How? He's given you the spirit of power, his own Holy Spirit, which is wonderful, but just knowing that on its own is not enough. We've got to develop ourselves. We've got, to, we've got to learn how to yield more and more, allow the Holy Spirit to become more effective in our lives. And so I want to take a few moments this morning and focus on the importance of praying in other tongues, praying in the Holy Spirit and the important role that plays in our lives as believers. So that's where we're headed. I want to back up a little bit. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter, I'm sorry, John chapter 14. 
John chapter 14. And while, while it's not directly mentioned in the chapters that I referenced today, we know reading through the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit speaking, strengthening, guiding, directing, enabling is really an, an overarching theme throughout the book of Acts. The strength of God's Spirit on display in who? In the church. It's important for God's people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14 Verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I'll pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now this is part of a teaching Jesus talking to his disciples the night he's, he's going to be betrayed later. Won't be long before they, they kill him. He's, he's talking to his disciples and he's getting them ready for what's going to happen next. And something he keeps on talking about in John 14, 15, 16, 17, all part of the same sermon or message, is he's talking about how he's going to send another helper. This word helper, it's translated helper in this translation, is a Greek word talking about the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's a rich word. It can be translated different ways. Helper, one who comes alongside, a comforter, a teacher, a strengthener, one who puts strength in. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's going to send the Holy Spirit to give strength, to help, to enable, to empower, to guide, to direct, to comfort, to come alongside you. A couple of chapters later, as Jesus is continuing to talk, he says, it's actually better for you. Don't be sad that I'm going away. It's better for you that I go away because if I don't go, if I don't go to the Father, then what's going to happen? The one who's going to come and strengthen you, he won't come. It's better that I go away because if I don't go, the strengthener isn't going, isn't going to come. When Jesus was ministering, as wonderful as his ministry was, he was just one person. And so the, the center of God's power was, was Jesus. Wherever he was located, that's where, that's where you needed to be. Because the Father's in heaven. Jesus says, unless I go there, the Holy Spirit's not, not going to come. So he was the part of the Trinity that was at work on, on the earth. So the woman with the issue of blood who said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, right? I just need to get to Jesus. If I can just get to him, I know I can be healed. She was right because that's, that's where the power of God was. I've got to get to him so I can receive what only God can do in my life. But Jesus says, I'm going to go away. And so instead of there just being one focal point of the power of God, I'm, I'm going to fill people with my spirit. And then there can be a bunch of Jesus go, going all over, carrying the power and the presence of God that you can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You can speak on God's behalf that the gifts of the spirit would be evident and manifest in your life. And so in just in, instead of one person, an, an army of people carrying the spirit of God all over. And this is important for us to understand. The Holy Spirit is the part of the Trinity that's active and working in, in the earth today. And we've, we've talked about this before, but it is important. God, the father is in heaven. The Bible says Jesus is seated at the right hand of the father. So where's Jesus in heaven? And Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. So it is a strategy of the enemy to bring confusion to people when it comes to the person and the role, the ministry 
of the Holy Spirit. So if, if the enemy loses you to the kingdom, you believe in God, you accept his son, Jesus, you believe that there's no way to the father except through his son, that's wonderful. The enemy doesn't want to see that happen, but if, he, if that does happen, his next best option, he couldn't confuse you about who Jesus is, his next best option is to confuse you about who the Holy Spirit is. That's why if we were to get every pastor from Harrison County together in a room and we talked about God the Father, we could sing a song and worship him together. Then we could say, hey, now let's talk about Jesus. We could high five about Jesus. Isn't Jesus awesome? He's the, he's the son of God. He's our savior. But when the, the person of the Holy Spirit came up as a subject of discussion, all of a sudden there, there'd be lines drawn. There'd be people say, man, I don't, I, don't, I don't like that group of people. I don't like those pastors. It, it would get tense. It would get uncomfortable. Some people might get angry. Why? Because the enemy has been strategic about causing confusion when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit. Why the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is the part of the Trinity that empowers us and is at work in the earth today. So if he can get people confused, you know, there's, there's bodies of believers. They love Jesus. They won't talk about the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's just, it's, it's God the Father, God the Son, and What's his name? He's relegated. To, there's too much confusion. Too, that, that's, that doesn't just happen. That's intentional. But we can be intentional and say, okay, if that's what the enemy's trying to keep us from, there's something precious and powerful and important about us knowing and being filled with God's, with God's Holy Spirit. Instead of being rendered an impotent, powerless church, we can be, we can receive, like Paul said, not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and soundness and soundness of mind. So in this passage, Jesus says, I'm going to send you another helper, the spirit of truth, verse 17, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. If the world can't receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, then who can? It's not for the world. The world can't. So if you're part of the world, you cannot receive the Holy Spirit. Who can receive what Jesus is talking about? This is something special for people that are no longer part of the world, that they've accepted Jesus and they have come out of the world, Right? Jesus is God's gift to the world. John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave his only son. So whoever believed in him, one perish we have everlasting life. Jesus is a gift to the world. Many of us have accepted Jesus. We're in the family. But once you're in the family, now there's another gift, not for the world. world can't, Jesus said the world can't accept him, can't receive him. But once you're in the family, you're not a part of the world anymore. And now you are eligible to receive this second gift. So that lets us know it is a second work apart from salvation. There's something in addition to salvation. That Jesus is God's gift to the world. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to the church or to his sons and to his daughters. It says the, he says the world cannot receive him. And then lets us know one of the reasons why the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. It says the world cannot receive him. Why? Because they don't see him because they don't see him. Jesus isn't saying that you have to lay eyes on the Holy Spirit in order to receive him, right? How many of you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Those of you that have your hands up, how many of you saw him? That would be a good time to put your hand down, <laughs> right? You didn't see the whole, you didn't, you didn't see him across the room and you're like, hey, Get over here. I receive you. I want you in my life. You didn't, you didn't see the Holy Spirit. So that, that's not what Jesus is saying. They, they can't receive him because they don't see him. He's not saying you've got to lay eyes on him in order to, to get him in your life. He's talking about not going by senses, not going by sight. But the, the world only receives things they can touch, smell, look at. But people that move beyond that, that's what, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says we, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. 
So you can receive the Holy Spirit, not by sight. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? By faith, by faith. That we receive him by faith. That is, that's important. If you've been someone who's wanted to receive the second work of the Holy Spirit, but you struggled, it's, it's received. He is received by faith, by faith. It also lets us know that walking according to the senses, even once you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, that being sensual, going by the natural, going by things that you can see, is a hindrance to the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. Once you start relying on the way things look and your own reason, it is a hindrance to the moving of God's Spirit in your life. So Jesus tells his disciples, it's better for you that I go away. I'm going to send you this helper. The world can't receive him, but, but you can. And then in Acts chapter 1, he says, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of, of the Father. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Acts chapter 2, they're waiting. They're waiting. God pours out his Holy Spirit. And one of the things that happens is they begin to speak in other tongues. They start speaking in other tongues. People hear them. They think that they're, think that they're drunk, think it's craziness. As we've gone through the book of Acts, Pastor Jonathan did a great job a few weeks ago in Acts chapter 19 talking about this. That one of the forms of tongues, one of the functions is initial physical evidence. Every time someone received the baptism, the second work, it was accompanied by speaking in other tongues. Acts chapter 10, they received the Holy Spirit. It says that people were watching them and they could tell they received the Holy Spirit. How did they know? We just said you can't see them. It says, for they heard them speaking with other tongues. So they speak with other tongues. It's initial physical evidence. It's also, it can be used in tongues and interpretation. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit. But something that once you receive the Holy Spirit but belongs to everyone who's filled with the Holy Spirit is this prayer language of being able to pray when you want, as long as you want, in the Holy Spirit. To pray in the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to talk about for just a couple of minutes and encourage you either to make sure that you're filled and if you are, to make use of this gift of praying, praying in the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. It says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. When someone is, is speaking in tongues, it says, it's not talking to men. You're praying in tongues. It's okay if other people don't understand you. You're not talking to them. You're talking to God. That's what it says, right? He doesn't speak to men. He talks to God. Now, when we talk to God, what's that called? Very good. Prayer. When we talk to God, it's called prayer. So what he's talking about is praying Praying in tongues. Again, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So there's a prayer language that we're given when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when we're using this prayer language, it says that you're speaking mysteries. Now, what is a mystery? I'm not asking you to reveal like a hidden mystery. Like, tell me a mystery. Like, definition-wise, what, what is something that you would categorize as a mystery? A mystery is something you don't know, right? If it is a mystery, you don't know how it happens. So if something is out of your realm of knowledge, experience, understanding, to you, it's in the category of being a, a mystery. 
How did they get the cream inside of a Boston cream donut? I don't know. Right? To me, you know what it is? It's a mystery. I like it being a mystery. I just want to enjoy it. I don't want to know the, how it happens. People that always ask me if I've seen the, the documentary about how they make hot dogs. No, I don't want to. I want that to remain as a mystery. I like, I like hot dogs. Whatever's in that thing, people seem to, they used to like hot dogs. They don't anymore. I like hot dogs. I don't want to stop liking them. I'm gonna, I want that to remain. It's a, it's a mystery. I don't know. It's just this wonderful tube of meat. It's great. It's a, a mystery is something. A mystery is something that you, you don't know. And this says when someone prays in tongues, what, what are they saying? They're talking to God, but they're talking in mysteries. They're talking about things that they don't know. They're praying, but they're praying beyond the realm of their understanding. They've left the limits of their own vocabulary, left, left the limits of their own understanding, what their own mind can grasp, and now they're, they're speaking mysteries, which pairs with Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, in our inadequacies. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Now, what's he saying? What's another way you could say that? If we don't know, what is it? It's a mystery. I don't know, I don't know how to pray as I ought to. I'm not sure what I should say. I'm not sure how to say it. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot, that cannot be uttered. Have you had situations in your life that were a mystery to you? You knew they needed prayer, but you didn't even know where, where to begin. It could be all kinds of things. A relationship with your spouse, a relationship with your kids, a relationship with your parents that you know, man, something is off here, but I don't know what it is. I know that we're not, we're not pairing up right. We're not communicating well. There, there's something going on in this relationship. I can't put my finger on it. Now, how could you adequately pray for it when it's a total mystery? You, you don't even know what, what, what's wrong with it. You could pray in the Holy Spirit and pray the very will of God and deal with that thing before it ever enters into your understanding. It can enter into the, the, the reach of your prayer life. You pray mysteries, your, your life, your future, tomorrow, the next day, next month, next year, there are things that you don't understand, but through this amazing gift God has given us, even though you don't understand it, it's not outside the realm of you being able to be effective in prayer because when you pray to, in, the, in the Holy Spirit, you're dealing with mysteries. You're talking mysteries to God outside of your understanding. Have you ever had someone on your heart that you wanted to pray for? Man, I just woke up in the middle of the night and Jim was on my heart. Man, I don't know what's going on. I know I should pray for him. I have no idea where to begin. You can pray in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit knows how to pray when, you don't, when it's a mystery to you. It's not a mystery to the Holy Spirit and he can use you. He needs a vessel to flow through when you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit because authority has been given to us, but I can yield myself and allow the Holy Spirit to pray through me and be effective in that situation for effective prayer. You know, sometimes it's a blessing to not have God reveal things to you for you to pray about. Right? What, what, what if God revealed, hey, uh, you should probably like really pray the next five minutes because your kid's life is in danger. W would you be able to pray? Uh, your, your, your husband, your wife is about to die. You should probably like spend a couple minutes praying. I mean, you'd be so panicked. You'd be on your way to school. You'd be calling your, your husband or your wife. You'd be trying to handle it. Pray, I gotta, I gotta do something, right? So it's, it's better that it remains in the mystery because the Holy Spirit can just stir your heart. You can begin to just pray. You can be smiling while you're praying about your kid not dying. Amen? You don't seem to like that part of it. It's a blessing. You can be praying in the Holy Spirit, dealing with things. I'm praying effectively. I'm praying the very will of God 
I don't even have to understand. It, it, it's genius the way that God has given us this ability to pray in other tongues. You know, when you pray, you can pray and you're discussing the wonders of God, the, the mysterious things about who he is. And sometimes as you're praying in the Holy Spirit, it starts off as a mystery, but it's a good way of moving things from the mysterious to the not so mysterious anymore, that you can receive revelation as you're praying about different situations. You ever experienced that? May, uh, I've had that happen when there's something, I don't know how to do it, I don't know how to handle it. It was a mystery to me, but as I was praying in the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about mysteries to the Lord. And I get revelation on exactly what to do, how to, how to handle it. That you pray mysteries. Next verse, verse three, 1 Corinthians 14, three. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. We talked about this a few chapters ago. When Philip the evangelist and his four daughters says that they prophesied, we said that prophecy isn't just fortune-telling or future-telling. It can, it can involve that, but this gives us a definition. He who prophesies, what should it be? Edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. It should be edifying. It should be exhorting or encouraging. It should be comforting. He who speaks in a tongue edifies, edifies himself. He who speaks in tongues, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, what are you doing? You are edifying. You are building up. You are improving. The Amplified Version says you are improving yourself. You can take time and improve yourself. I've had situations where I knew there was something I was supposed to do. I knew the right thing to do, but I didn't have it in me to actually do the right thing. I knew I was going to do wrong. I would have to ask forgiveness. I just, there's no way I'm doing that. I've had times where there's things I knew I shouldn't do. So I know I shouldn't do this, but I, I'll, I'll ask for forgiveness later. I'm, I'm going to do it. If you're honest, you've had those times too. But I've had those moments and then begin to pray in the Holy Spirit and have my heart, my heart changed. The thing, I, there's like no way I'm doing that. I was perfectly willing to do it and did it. And things, there's, there's no way I'm not taking advantage of experiencing that. There's no way I'm not gonna do that. Pray in the Holy Spirit my heart changes and I resist the temptation. I, 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 don't, I don't do that. You're, you're edifying yourself. And it says he, the one who speaks in the tongue, he edifies himself, that he gets to choose to do it. He's doing it to himself by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you can pray in the Holy Spirit when you want to. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 6.10, pray, or 6.18, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Pray in the Spirit when? All the time. What kind of occasions? Uh, youth camp. Revival service, special altar time. No, on all occasion. And if he's instructing you to pray in the Spirit, that means you have the ability to obey that instruction and you can pray in the Holy Spirit anytime because we're, we're instructed to do it. And when you pray in the Holy Spirit, one of the things that's happening, you are edifying yourself. You have the spirit of power, but the spirit of power wants to build you up and strengthen you and make you what you weren't before. Same thing in Jude, verse 20. But you, beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Building yourself up in your most holy faith. How? How am I supposed to build myself up? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Build yourself up. Let me read it to you in the Amplified. It says, but you, beloved, build yourself up, founded on your most holy faith, Make progress, rise like an edifice, higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. 
says, make, make progress. How do I make progress, spiritual progress? By praying in the Holy Spirit. This is a year we've been saying of unusual spiritual progress. One of the ways that you can make progress is what? By pray, take time to pray in the Holy Spirit. Make, it's an instruction. Build yourself up. Make some progress. Don't stay where you are. Move further along. Rise higher and higher. How? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Rise like an edifice. Higher and higher. Have you had, had, had times in your life where it seems like something was blocking the path? There's an obstacle. There's something going on. The enemy's put in front of you. Something that you've got to deal with. Well, if you had the ability to rise higher than that obstacle, obstacle, to rise higher than that barrier. What you do when you pray in the Holy Spirit, something you need different perspective. I've got to see this the way that you do. You can rise higher and higher. How? Praying in the Holy Spirit. It's an incredible gift to build yourself up, to get insight, revelation, understanding, to have your heart change in just a couple of moments. Your heart shifts. You're edifying, improving yourself, making spiritual progress. How? By using this incredible gift where you can begin to discuss mysteries talking mysteries with God by the power of the Holy Spirit. A few weeks ago, we were talking about this, and we talked about the way that you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the way that you stay filled with the Holy Spirit. And we looked at John chapter 7, starting in verse 37, where Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. If you believe in me, you can come to me and you can drink. And rivers of living water, as the scriptures say, rivers of living water will flow out of your belly. And then it lets us know when Jesus said this, he was talking about the Holy Spirit who had not yet been given because Jesus had not ascended to the Father. And so when Jesus says, if anyone's thirsty, Anyone has a desire, what do they need to do? Come to him and do what? Drink. And when he says drink, what is he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said this, what he was referencing was the Holy Spirit. That you can come and you can drink. And you can drink to a point where rivers of living water flow, flow from your belly. And we talked about how to drink. I don't know if anyone remembers this. We did a little illustration, pouring water up here. He said, if you're going to drink, what needs to, to happen is your mouth needs to be open. You can ask, oh, give me water. I could pour water towards your mouth, but if your mouth is closed, you're, you're not going to drink. Very basic. That's the way it works in the natural. If you're going to drink, your mouth needs to be open. Well, that's, that's what Jesus is saying. You can come to me and drink. The same way it works in the physical is the way that it works in the spiritual. If you're going to drink, if you're going to receive, what needs to happen? Your mouth needs to be open. And I don't mean just hanging open like a mouth breather, just hands with your jaw unlocked. I'm talking about your mouth, your mouth open, giving thanks to God, praising God, giving him an opportunity to fill you. When people want to receive the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they come and they just stand, they don't get filled with the Holy Spirit because you can't drink like that. You gotta open your mouth, begin giving thanks. Just like it says in Ephesians chapter five, verse, verse 18, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, 
but be filled with the Spirit. How? Be filled. This is a continual flow. Not just once I was filled a few years ago. I had the Pentecostal experience. Keep it flowing, that river in your life. How are we supposed to do it? This is what we talked about. Speaking. Speaking to one another in, in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus. Be filled. Keep that flow in your life. How am I going to keep that filled? But by speaking, oh, you can't speak with your mouth closed, at least not very effectively. You can't sing very effectively with your mouth closed. The way that we keep ourselves full is open your mouth, sing praises to God, give him thanks. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, praying and, and giving God praise in, in other tongues, use your, your spiritual language. Now, he, he, talk, he starts off that passage and says, don't be drunk with wine. But instead of that, instead of being filled with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That, that's not just random instruction right? He's not just throwing out a bunch of stuff like, don't, don't steal, don't kill, I don't know, uh, don't be drunk with wine. Oh, and by the way, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That They're linked up. There's a reason he went from one to the other. Don't be filled with wine. Don't be drunk with wine. Instead of that, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Those two things get paired together on the day of Pentecost, already referenced. Those men came out speaking in other tongues. What did they think? These guys are drunk. These men are not drunk as you suppose. They suppose these guys are drunk. Why? Because they could tell they were under the influence of something. Those men aren't, aren't acting like normal men. They're, they're, they're under the influence. They, they were right about that. They were just wrong about the what. Don't put yourself under the influence of wine, it says. The New Living says because it will ruin your life. But instead, put yourself under the influence of of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's say I had some wine and I had a little eyedropper and I said, okay, I'm gonna give everyone a little drink of wine and I came around, I put a little drop of wine in each person's mouth. After you received your little drop of wine, would you be drunk? No, you, you wouldn't be drunk. Now, if you did that, would you say, this doesn't work? I've heard this stuff gets you drunk. It didn't get me drunk, ineffective. No, if you, if you wanted to come under the influence of that wine, what would need to happen? Not just a drop. You need to drink some more. 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 And as you're drinking and drinking, what happens? That influence is growing and growing and growing until you, you become drunk. And then once you're drunk, you are now under the influence. What's that mean? So there's another force influencing my behavior, influencing the way that I'm acting, influencing the things that I'm saying. If you've, if you've ever spent time around drunk people, if you've ever been drunk people, then you get, you've heard people say, maybe you've said, yeah, that, sorry, that was the alcohol talking. Uh, that, that wasn't me. That was the wine talking, if you know what I mean. People talk like that. Why? They'll, they'll even relegate their behavior and their words, not to themselves, but to this other force that is active in their life. That wasn't me saying that. That was the, the alcohol saying that. That wasn't me doing that. That was the alcohol that made, made me do it. And he says here, that, that kind of stuff will ruin your life. But there's another influence that you can come under that's similar, that you can find yourself saying things that... that you ever had that in the Holy Spirit? You say something, you know, man, that, that didn't come from me. That came from the Holy Spirit. You do things, you know that wasn't me. You were under the influence of, of the Holy Spirit. But how do you get there? Not by an eyedropper, but by being filled and being filled and being filled by receiving, receiving more. Now, this is key. Here's what I want to focus on for just the next couple of minutes. So stay, stay with me. This is one of the reasons that people will experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit 
and then try to make use of this prayer language and end up disappointed. And maybe you've experienced it. Man, you got filled with the Holy Spirit, got a prayer language, and start your day praying in other tongues. Get yourself filled with the Holy, Holy Spirit. Let that flow, let those rivers of living, living water flow out of, of your belly. So you get up in the morning and you start praying in the Holy Spirit. It feels like it's gonna dry. It's like nothing. Right? It just feels like it feels like just me mumbling, mumbling words. And then people will think, well, I, Maybe I didn't get filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's nothing to this whole prayer language thing. Edify, maybe, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe I didn't receive. Anyone ever been there? Maybe I didn't receive the way that I thought. I don't know. Maybe next time I'll, I'll try to really receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They don't, they don't understand to come under the influence the way that it works. We'll, we'll leave the wine, the, the wine illustration for, for just a moment. Hey, Autumn, will you grab that lawnmower for me? wanted my daughter to do this because I wanted proof that she can in fact push a lawnmower. <laughs> so this is a lawnmower. It's an old-fashioned one. I, I bought this yesterday. I had no idea. It's hard to find a gasoline lawnmower. So this is like this is an old-fashioned lawnmower now. They all they're all like battery packs, all electric lawnmowers. So this is, this is an old school fossil fuel lawnmower. Maybe you're not familiar with how these work, but if you want to start one, this is what we used to have to do back when I was a boy. You had to, you had to grab this little string thing and you have to pull it, right? You with me? You understand this? All right, yeah, you have to pull it. Now what's happening when I'm pulling this lawnmower? This thing starts, we're in trouble. As I'm pulling it, I'm, I'm actually in my own effort, my own strength. As I pull that, I'm, I'm turning the engine. Right? You can even see through little holes. Something's moving in there. If we lift it up and flip it over, when you do that, you know the blade is going around when you do that? Every time, every time I, I pull. Now, it's in my own strength that I'm doing that, but what am I looking for when, when I pull that? What am I anticipating that I, I pull it? If it doesn't happen the first time, what do you do? You pull it again. Sometimes you pull three, four, five times. You keep, you keep on pulling. If you have confidence that it's going to work, what are you waiting for? You're waiting for another power to kick in and what you're doing in your own strength, now there's another power that comes behind what you initiated and you're gonna let it take over. Once it starts, I'm not, it's not my effort anymore. Something else, there's another power now active turning that blade, turning that engine. It's not just my own strength. It's not just my, my ability function. Another ability has been initiated. I, I started it, but I was, I was stirring up another power. That's the way praying in tongues often is. If you've ever had those moments, those times in prayer, hopefully, Hopefully you have. If not, after today, you will. Where you're praying, you're praying, you're seeking God, and you know it's not just you. You, you cross over a line where you sense the presence of God. You feel the wind of the Spirit. A spirit of prayer comes on you, and it's not effort and drudgery. It's one of the sweetest things you've ever experienced. You're not watching the clock. Oh my gosh, it's only been five minutes. You have to look and say, oh my goodness, I've been praying for two hours because the, 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 the presence of God is real. You're praying in the Holy Spirit, and then different things pop up, and you're praying for Him, and you're praying for 
over her and you're taking authority over that. You feel led to, to, to pray about this. It's, it's the spirit that comes and starts to, to move you that you started in your own effort. You initiated, but then another power. Does anyone understand what I'm talking about? You can identify with this, that you started and it felt, it felt like it felt like dry. It felt like you were just, just starting that lawnmower. But, but then you, you hit that point where you knew, man, you felt the presence of God. Now, why would you keep on pulling if it didn't happen immediately? Faith. Faith. It takes faith. Now, here's what, here's what some people's prayer life is like. They, 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 they sputter a few words in tongues to say that they're still Pentecostal. Pray in 30 seconds, a minute, use their prayer language just to say that they did. But they, they never keep pushing through to get to that point where the other power begins to, to, to move them. And they're now riding not on their own strength, they're riding on the strength of the Holy Spirit, that he has strengthened them, filled them, now, sometimes lawnmowers are harder to start than at other times. Found usually in the spring, the first time you get the lawnmower out of the shed or out of the garage, it's the most difficult to start. Why? Because it's been so long since you used it. It's been so long. It might, it might take a while. You gotta prime it and pull and pull, take a break because your arm's hurting. One time I, I ripped the string clear out and then just you have to throw it away because I don't know how to fix stuff. You know, you just, you just, keep, you just keep pulling. And it's effort, but once you get that thing running, right? Once it's, it's flowing, it took so long at first, usually, even if it took a long time to start, once it's going, you, you can mow half the yard, stop, take a break, get a glass of lemonade, go back at it. Now, now it starts right up. Why? Because you've got that, it, it's flowing, right? You've activated it. Some people, they haven't prayed in the Holy Spirit in weeks. Some of you haven't prayed in the Holy Spirit. You received the Holy Spirit. You haven't really used your prayer language. Not, not, not like I'm talking about. Maybe you've muttered a few words, but it's just the dry pooling. It's been months, maybe years. The enemies use that to discourage you. I don't know if there's much to it. I don't know if it's, it's all that, I mean, it sound like praying in tongues is like a big deal, but it doesn't seem like. The enemies use that to discourage you, just to set it aside. And if he does that, he keeps you from talking mysteries, keeps you from effective prayer, keeps you from progress keeps you from rising higher. And so this morning, I want to take a few minutes and one, pray for anyone who would like to receive this second work that the world can't receive, the gift of the Holy Spirit. But I also want to reactivate, see people reactivate, those that have been filled, but they've left it in the shed for too long. And stir back up and give you an opportunity to press past that point where it's your own strength, and it's drudgery, and it's, it's hard. Move, go beyond that. How do we do it? by faith. Let me read one more passage and then we'll pray. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11 says, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Sarah, talking about Abraham's wife, also received strength to conceive seed. She, she received strength. How? By faith. She received it. Now, the way that the Greek word operates, it's translated receive, is different than the English word when we say receive. Because the English word, you can say receive and it'd be very passive. 
You go home and there's a package by the door. You received it. You didn't do anything. It's just there. You received it. Somebody sent it. You receive emails. You receive a text. You're just sitting there. You, you, cannot, you cannot want it. I wish they'd stop. I keep receiving these texts. I wish they'd stop. You don't even want it, but you're still receiving. So it can be a completely passive, almost disengaged kind of re receiving. And sometimes people apply that and want to receive from the Lord with that just like falling on them. I'm just completely passive. I, I, just, wanna, I just wanna receive. That's not how she receives strength. That's not the, the word that's used here. By, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength. It didn't just come on her. It didn't accidentally find herself strong and able to be who God has called her to be. That word in the Greek means to take hold of. It means to grasp. It means to grab that she laid hold of strength. How? By faith. By faith, she received. By faith, she became strong enough to be who God had called her to be, to do the impossible thing. She's an old, barren woman, but she received an ability to not be an old, barren woman, but to begin to produce, to become fruitful, to become the mother of many nations. What God had said about her, it was impossible, but by faith, she received strength to bear to bear seed. She started believing, I can do this. I know God's power. It's not just a power out there. It's a power operating on the inside of me. I can do what God wants me to do. I can be who God wants me to be. That if he says that's my destiny, then that's my destiny. If he's calling me a mother of many nations, that, that's who I am. That's what I'm going to be. And it moved her from barren to fruitful. Some of us need to move from barren to fruitful. Things that were impossible become possible. That Our lives starts producing where it used to be impossible to produce. How do we do it? It's by faith you receive. It's not just a passive thing. Why am I talking about Sarah? Because it's the same language used in this verse that's used by Jesus in Acts chapter one. By faith, Sarah received strength. You know what the word strength there is in the Greek? Dunamis, dunamis. It's the same word Jesus used when he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Wait for the promise of the Father. It's the same language, receive dunamis, receive strength. It's the same language used here that's used by Jesus in Acts chapter one. By faith, she received, she grabbed it. I'm going, to, I'm going to have it. If God says it's mine, it's mine. Why? Because she, she considered him faithful who promised. Jesus said, receive the promise of the Father. So that's what it takes to keep on pulling, to not, to not give up and act. I'm going to lay hold of us. I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be strong in the Lord. I'm going to move beyond what's nat natural possibilities and allow a God that he can do all things to allow that strength to fill me and flow through me. Amen. So we're going to pray in just a moment. If you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to receive that second work, if you know Jesus, you can receive. It's the promise of the Father. How do you receive? Let's see if it happens to me. No, receive by faith. Have your mouth open, drink. God, I give you thanks. Father, I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit filling me. You give him praise, you drink, and then you hit a point where you cross over and say, you know what, by faith, I'm launching out into a language I don't know. I'm leaving English behind. Amen? Or if you're one of those people that it's been weeks, months, years, you can't remember the last time you really prayed in the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't let that happen again. Let's allow today to be a turning point. We're going to take some time and pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Spirit where, where, where that other power kicks in, that you push past the point of it just being your effort. You know, Smith Wigglesworth said, if the Holy Spirit doesn't move me, I move the Holy Spirit. That, that can sound inappropriate. He was a great man of God if you're not familiar with him. A powerful man of God. 
the Holy Spirit doesn't move me, which sometimes he'll, he'll move you. He says, then I move the Holy Spirit. What's he talking about? The, that mechanical, I'm, I'm gonna engage. I'm gonna stir this thing up. I, I have the ability. You pray in the Holy Spirit at all times and on all occasions. You can do it. He who prays in the tongue edifies himself. You play a part in engaging. And if this whole lawnmower yanking on a thing, starting it up sounds too mechanical, it's important to understand that the things of God are mechanical. They are mechanical. That, that means you can, you can rely on it. You can predict it. Instead of it just all being mysterious where you never know with God, you can know because he gives us his word. He gives us promises. Here's how it works. If you do this, God will do this. It, it's mechanical. Start praying in the Holy Spirit. Start praying in the Holy Spirit. It starts, it starts a flow in your life. Amen. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.